I am not telling you to go and have sex. But at some point in your life, something is going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be faced with, you're going to come at the cross path where you're going to be like, oh my God, should I listen to my, my Catholic parents? Yeah. <laughs> and like actually like abstain for the rest of my life until I'm married or whatever. Mm. Or do I follow my body? Mm. Or do I follow what I want? Today, I speak to Kim Vindvogel, who is an author, poet, and activist. She's the co-founder of Fame Projects, which is an NGO dealing with sexual and reproductive health rights and education. Let's get into it with Kim. Welcome back to Bake the Podcast, and this is a POC podcast. Today, I've got Kim Windvogel. Is oh, that right? Yes, you said my surname correctly. I always get so excited when people introduce me. What do me. they say? Windvogel. Uh, yeah, like Windvogel. I've heard Windvogel. Fuchel also like <laughs> it's like a weird Is it like stuff. German? Yeah. So Windvogel, if you say it supposedly correctly, that's why I'm using these quotation mm-hmm. marks. It's Windvogel and it means um windbird. Oh I like it. I'm an A sign, I'm a Gemini, I think you're a Gemini. I'm too. a Gemini, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, when's your birthday? Twenty seventh May. Oh my gosh, yeah. amazing. Okay, so. this is gonna be a long conversation. <laughs> There's so basically quiet. four people in the room. <laughs> So Kim, yeah. besides being an author, I don't know why this happened. And now I feel like I've done something. No, let's just lift this up. See, technological issues happen a See, lot. See, when the producer steps out to take a and phone call, and then it. Kim is to be the new producer. Uh, oh my God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that. That's an excellent idea. There we go. Okay, so Kim, mm-hmm. besides being a newly published author, is this your first book? Yeah, so um, the book is called They Called Me Queer. Yeah. And I compiled it and contributed an essay to it. Okay. And I did like all of the laborious work okay. um, of getting 29 queer people of color. Wow. From all across the province and some parts of South Africa and um, as well as some people based in Botswana and uh, just various parts yeah. of Africa. So Southern Africa. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, to contribute to this book. So about they're contributing the their stories and like what's, what they've experienced as people of color. Who, who are queer. Yeah, queer. yeah. Um, and everyone, each one of them has had some form of experience of living in South Africa. Okay. Um, so one of them lived in South Africa for five years, did okay. their master's year or their honors, I don't really remember, and uh, then moved back to Botswana, where they're from. Um, so I asked them to contribute because I was like, you know, you also have an experience yeah. of living in South Africa, a queer person. Um, what is your experience? Yeah. Write about it. Well, what is your experience as a queer or do you identify as a woman? Um, I mean, I identify. I know you say non-binary. <laughs> yes. Okay. I identify as a lot of things. Unpack non-binary for us. Because um, Kim, guys, Kim's uh, profile is called at blazing non-binary. Yeah. So that's where you can find her. So unpack non-binary for those of us who aren't as woke <laughs> and with... I mean, I'm not the wokest of the woke. Oh my gosh, you are the wokest. <laughs> no. You are so woke. I think um, to me, non-binary, when I just started to you know, identify with that term, it was mostly based on my gender and the fact that I didn't always feel like a societal woman, okay. that I have to perform certain things that you know, when you're born with a vagina, you mm-hmm. have to be a certain way, like you have to be nurturing and motherly yes okay even though these qualities are amazing it doesn't mean that just because i was born with certain sex characteristics that i need to fulfill that right yeah so i started to question my identity uh, especially my gender identity and that's how i was like you know what i'm blazing non-binary i'm a non-binary person because i have access to all the um energies whether it's masculine or feminine you know and i can be on that spectrum. I can be between I them. I like feel all, all of us are energies. kind of like fluid when it comes to identifying with our masculinity and our femininity. Mm, mm. And I like to consider myself as like, I'm very feminine in mm. terms of the way I look and I speak softly and I'm mm. like delicate <laughs> and petite. Yeah. But then I have this ugly <laughs> side, <laughs> which I used to think was ugly and I actually fucking don't think it's ugly. It's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. Not ugly. It's like a side of me that's very strong yes. and firm. Yes. And I used to I think growing up um being Cape Malay mm. or well I actually identify as coloured. Mm. Um I know that lots of Malay people don't want to be called coloured, they want to mm. be called Malay and then <laughs> and I can't because I'm so mixed up I'm like I'm I identify as coloured. Yeah. And growing up in the community I always felt that like if you were a girl and you were had like boyish qualities, you were instantly told you were either tomboy or chase manerach, mm, and you it's vilified. like yes, you vilified, and mm. um, so I 
decided to tether it to my into my femininity because I could see with my cousins I have 25 first cousins oh, it's a nice big family yeah it's <laughs> massive and I could see with my cousins that my grandparents preferred those who were more like firm in their gender so like mm. the boys who were very boyish and the girls who were very delicate and sweet yes. so yeah. and if you weren't that you were instantly like vilified yeah, yeah you are like other you were yes. the other right and you were just like put in this box of like not not your grandparents favorite mm. grandchild and then you learn to kill it that yes. side of you until you grow and older. be ashamed of it as well yes you kill that side of you you're ashamed of it you don't want to like show it yeah. so you don't want to be discoverable and i think that's something that i only realized later on in life oh, i'm not bossy or i wasn't yeah. taking up too much space as a kid when i just had cool ideas yeah people just didn't know where to place me as someone who's supposed to be this girl or be this woman yeah but then, you know, uh, you know, the whole thing about non-binary, it, it grew from there for me because I was like, nothing is binary. Yes. It's not black. It's not white and white. It's a lot in between. It's not woman and man. There's a lot. In, there's a lot of other genders yes. in between. Nothing in life is binary. So it kind of just expanded for me from there. And that's why I yeah. literally changed my handle. I'm 28. Okay. I'm 29. So I'm a year older than you. Mm. And I felt like for me, it only came... Like when I birthed my son, I birthed this confidence mm. within myself. Like when I was in high school, um, you know, everyone like played netball, hockey or whatever. Yes. And I was so ashamed that I was so competitive because in my family dynamic and my grandparents and my extended family play, played a huge part in my early life. Uh. It wasn't seen as like cute to be competitive. So I... I would instantly tell myself I'm not I'm not going to be a part. So I'm not going to sign up for any sport because I'm mm. afraid that my competitive streak will shine through, and I'll be considered bitchy or whatever. Mm. And then I just did yoga throughout school. And then in my matric oh year, my teacher was like, my PE teacher made me do all the sports because you have to do it in matric at our school. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I show you're really good at netball. <laughs> So I'm like, oh my God, the token color person at the school. in like all the trophies. <laughs> yes, it's just like, why didn't you ever do it at school? So I was like, no, um, I don't want to do sport. And mm. and, I, and now like at 29, like I wish I did. I did karate when I was younger. And oh, I remember wow. my, for like a long time, from five till 11. Uh-huh. And I remember my, my granny being like, why is she doing karate? Like it's <laughs> not a girl's sport. What belt did you get to? I got to brown i was in kaya cushion so brown just before black i was training for black belt yeah i was 11 i was doing black belt training and i I used to come home like and cry every night because my muscles were sore and then my mom was like do you want to stop so i was like yes please can i please quit (laughs) and um because obviously they couldn't give me like all these supplements that people take now it was like your mother just rubbing you with db oh my god (laughs) and so then i i I finished a black belt training so i would have been black belt but i just did like maybe like six weeks of training which was my god that is amazing yeah oh no this podcast now just became about me (laughs) (laughs) but i wanna i didn't know you were 28 because your sister laura is Mm. she's uh, she's four years older than me oh really yeah so she's 32 this year and laura's um in a famous October. famous artist. Yes, so visual artist. Yes. Some amazing shit. So is like art in big in your family? Like what was the dynamic like growing up where you were, you obviously a brilliant writer and I think yeah. an activist as well. Yeah, so in some Laura ways. was always the, um, or is still the, you know, the, the, the artist, that pe- you know, the societal artist, the one that draws and yeah. creates things in that type of way, visual art, yeah. uh, they call it. And then my grand dad was a he played trumpet in a band oh cool we always knew that he was very musical um my granny on my dad's side was a very good singer oh wow obviously due to apartheid a lot of shit couldn't happen for them and my mother is also very good at singing and music my so is my dad uh they also just didn't have the access so when (laughs) it's funny we like my parents are the flip side of what we're used to seeing around us as parents of color they were like Oh no! Go study art. Go yeah, do this. Like, open. like you have to do this. You know, you have all of these. They weren't uh, afraid of what the party did to them, basically. Yeah, they kind of like wanted us to do things. And I mean, in a way, sometimes I'm like, shit. What, what am I going to do with my music degree? <laughs> <laughs> but why do you but, feel that way? What, so you studied music. What, what was your intention going into music initially? I started singing at UCT when I was 16. Okay, uh, so with you sing. Someone called Virginia Davids. Uh, she's like this massive opera singer during the apartheid years and 
yeah, so she, I, I went, I started singing with her when I was 16. And I was like, you know, I want to be an opera singer. I'm going to, you know, mm. decolonize opera. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to sing. She just wokeified. You know, <laughs> she just wokeified opera. <laughs> I'm going to be a Khaled Carmen, you know, yeah. singing Habanero. And then you go there and you realize that actually it's not going to so be that think, easy. Yeah. Um, now when you look, a lot of my peers who I studied with, they're becoming massive singers and I'm so proud of them. It's amazing. They're going all over the world with their amazing voices. But I just realized in my third year, you know what, fuck it. I don't like this. I'm yeah. going to finish it because a lot of money went into this and, you know, that's just a colored thing. Yeah. So, so you... Like, so you yes. <laughs> I finished my degree knowing that I was not going to use it. I was just like, well, I, I guess I, you always use your degree. But I mean, I you knew do. I was going to go into corporate. I was mm. like, this is not for me. Mm. I studied a corporate degree with the intention of going into corporate. And then very quickly, I'm talking about six months. I was <laughs> like, this is not for me. And I just kept going eh? for five yeah. years. I was like, let me finish this thing. And let me just do. You just become dead inside yes, after a while, right? Like but you still through. continue. Yes. Did you? Do, did you study further after that? Um, no, not yet. Okay, I want, want, I want to. to continue. It's been on my mind for the last two years. And I know people are like, you always say you're going to go back in. Why aren't you going back? <laughs> Put in the work. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm putting in the work in other spaces. Just wait. Yes. Just wait. It's going to happen. Um, but I think my 30s will be a good time to yes. go back to school. I've had, I'm also thinking of going back in my yeah, 30s. I've had five to six years of yeah. like a lot of experience of doing work at the UN, coming back, like doing work here, like different... Uh, so unpack the if Simi's poking me violently. <laughs> Please unpack the UN for Simi's producer. Oh unpack what you do for the UN because that's um, what you do with the fame project, which we're going to jump into after yeah. talking about the book and labeling. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you do with the UN and what you still do with them. Okay, so uh, last year I uh, applied for this fellowship uh, through Outright Action International, which okay. is a queer, an international LGBTQIA, which stands for lesbian, gay, bi, uh, transgender, intersex, and asexual um, organization. So it's no longer LGBTQ+. It is plus, okay. but you can also add the A. Like the plus is just to signify that it's never ending. Okay, and it's like cool. a massive soup. And that's why some people just call it queer because within the queer you have those labels. But like I just call myself queer. I'm just sometimes too lazy to unpack it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. You know I'm still like, figuring out my stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a moment. So, um, yeah, I got this fellowship that's based in New York. And what they try to do is they try to bring people from the global south, you know, the okay. international languages, the global north, yeah. and then global south. Like, people were basically fucked by the global north okay. <laughs> during yeah. slavery and all so that. So, like, all the colonized countries. Yeah, uh, socio socioeconomically uh, behind, and okay. I'm putting in quotation marks, uh, countries, which is, yeah, South Africa is one of them. So, I was chosen, and I went over, and they tried to teach you the mechanisms of the UN, of okay. the United Nations, and how it works. The headquarters, obviously, is based in New York. So, they would bring us over for various commissions. Things so, like, hold up. Yeah. They flew you over. Yeah, they would fly you over. And they paid for everything while you're there, like food. For Alice, they give you a per diem, they pay okay. you, you know. Cool. So, you're not, there's no cost to you. I mean, I had to pay for my visa, but then they reimbursed me. Okay. Cool. Which is also a problem because a lot of people from these countries or from our countries, now I must, my last 2000 rand, yes, I must have spent for a visa. expensive as well. I did the same thing today because yeah. I'm going to Sweden. And I'm like, I actually am a freelancer and yeah. it's not a good time for I me. I hate paying for visas. That's why I didn't change my surname. Well, a lot of reasons why I didn't change my surname. Uh -huh. One of was because I um, have a US visa. <laughs> and I, when my husband and I were discussing like, the fact that we're getting married and he wants mm. to change my son. I was like, firstly, I don't know if I feel about that. And secondly, I have a USB that I don't even talk to me. Also, <laughs> I'm not also, changing also, my son. Also, you can change your son. Yes. I, you know, I asked him. <laughs> I said to him, but he's got an international career. So he said, no, he can't change his son because, you know, he's built his brand around the son. And I was like, same as he's. So we, I wanted to um, <laughs> call my son Khalid Baker Bonal. That's a good one. And my husband was like, oh, no, you're just kicking me out. And ugh, it's a whole discussion. I'm still going to, I'm still. It's a massive it. discussion. Even in my family, my mom also wanted to do that, but they never did. And yeah. oh, whatever, it doesn't really. So you have your dad's surname? Yeah, I don't want to keep it. Okay, I love it. As I said, I'm an air sign and windbird. I mean, there's yeah. no way I'm changing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the UN they they would fly us over and um they, to, to these various commissions, commission on the status of women. Okay, where basically people from all over the world come around to speak on women's bodies. Uh, women. When I say women, it's diverse women, so including people who are transgender. Yes. Um, and the reason why they flew us over is because we're we're queer individuals, and if we're not in the room, they make 
decisions in a heteronormative fashion. Yes, okay. Um, so it's like things where they speak about anti-abortion laws, um, queer people's rights being taken away in terms of uh, same-sex conduct, which is like having sex with someone that's the same sex as you. Um, Why would there be conduct around that? Because they don't want you. They have things like sodomy laws in so many countries where basically anal, they, they, they uh, banned anal sex because they thought it's a gay thing. And okay. it's like, uh, babes, <laughs> <laughs> heterosexual people also have anal sex, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole discussion about... And what kind about of stuff is happening in our country? Like, were you ever feeling like mm. in that room when you were discussing all of these things regarding women's bodies and stuff? Were mm. there things, you know, we have quite a... I don't know how to describe it, like a tricky situation when it comes to women in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention queer people, mm, mm, mm. Um, just women in general across the board. So mm. were there moments in that in those discussions where you felt like, shit, like embarrassed if I were, like not embarrassed, but like ashamed of like maybe us being backward? And if so, what were those things that like you felt we needed to work on while you were in that space? Firstly, when you meet with a lot of other African people from other African countries, you enter the room and go, hi, my name is Kim Van Fulho and I'm from South Africa. Immediately, ah, yeah. you are the America of the African continent. Oh, really? Because you are ignorant, you know nothing about politics, and but they know everything of yours. Like when I meet with other people, f- with, with Africans from other African countries, they will know absolutely everything. They test my, my knowledge yeah. as South African and African. And I'm sitting in that room and I'm like, shit, yeah, how, do, how like, do you know this? You're like, I'm not smart anymore. But I don't know anything about your country it took me a whole year doing this fellowship where i had to do research i'm like oh that's the president of that country like, oh yeah this is what's happening in kenya this is what's happening in botswana whatever you know yeah so i had to get out of my comfort zone to understand why this is the fact okay. so africa thinks we're the shit yeah um, we do and so that's why they call us the America of the african continent oh it's terrible when you've been called out like that but it's good because yeah. you need to Acknowledge so that. So what ignorances, <laughs> I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> what ignorant things came up for you like as a nation that we need to work on when you were discussing things like, obviously the people around you in your fellowship knew maybe like their countries were doing things differently and maybe improved. Mm. So what are the, some of the things that we can improve on like when it comes to women, women's health, um, women's bodies? Look, we have a lot of. Uh, I I hate trashing South Africa. So, yeah. for, but one. No, thing, we're not trashing. No, no, no. I'm not, we're not trashing. I just mean there's a there's a <laughs> constructive criticism. Basically, being in that space made me realize that South Africa is very resourceful. Okay. We have great policies. We have great laws. Obviously, there's room for improvement. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There's a lot of stuff that we need to change. Mm. Um, but in terms of we have something called the CETOPA that stands for Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1997. Yeah. That means that anyone can have an abortion on demand in this country. If yeah. you want an abortion, you're supposed to walk into your health facility and say, I need an abortion and no one needs to tell you yeah. shit. You right? know what I found nice about mm-hmm. um, South Africa as well? What? Uh, when you're going to other countries, the way people approach contraception, uh, the morning after pill, mm. it's a very shameful approach mm. to it. And it, I find it so strange because I had to take the morning after ball recently because mm. uh, I'm not ready to have another baby and, mm. you know, why people take the morning after ball. <laughs> and um, I went to the pharmacy and I just was like, I didn't need the morning after ball. And there was just a whole, like, shh moment. Yeah. And I'm in the UK and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this That's is crap. so weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, just let me, f- like, I had to fill on two forms and I had, a, like, a counseling session. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just like no, Can and you when you get it, yeah, everyone's like, okay, cool, yes, it, you know, to take it, cool, 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 done, done, done. But then again, it's also about your positionality and where where you are positioned in this yeah. country. So for me, also, I took a couple of years ago when I was still having sex with men or people with penises, I like would just walk in, get my morning after pull, and wasn't a problem. Mm. But again, it's where you're situ- situated, and if you have money, um, you can easily just also disregard people's jajaracha looks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But you go into schools, like with what we do with FEM, and you speak to kids and they're like, no, I can't go there. My auntie works there. And the last time I went there, she said she's going to speak to my mommy and go tell her what I'm doing. Or they perpetuate myths like... um, JC a virgin me and me. You know, it's like oh stuff like God. that. So there's like a lot. Okay, just translate for those who don't speak Afrikaans. Oh, so there's you a lot of knees, no? Yeah, buck buck is like when your legs are like How do you describe <laughs> it? 
it's basically the opposite of knock knees. So instead of your knees knocking, your knees are pointing out. Yeah, it's like your yeah yeah like your your lower leg is creating this like a bracket like, like two brackets. I don't know. What it's to hard say. to yeah. But the other weird things like we had a workshop last week. Um, and some of the kids were like, you know, my mom said that I got my period because um, uh, uh, I allow boys to touch me. And it's these funny things that it's not just yeah. our parents who perpetuate like, these okay. myths, but it's health practitioners yeah. who perpetuate this shit. It's people who, are, it's teachers who perpetuate this shit. Yeah. And you're like, you know, what is happening? It's <laughs> such a funny story. And I just mm. imagine my dad's face when this happened. My mom, mm. I asked my mom to... Uh, I gave her my, my list for clicks, right? Because mm. my dad was going to go buy stuff. And obviously on the list was my tampon. So I was like, Tampax, the mini one, purple box, mm. whatever. Um, my dad comes home, puts a packet on my desk, the usual story. This was when I was in high school. I was about 14. Mm. And then he goes on his bed. My mom said he was like distraught. She was like, what's <laughs> wrong with you? He's like, no, on Aisha's list there was tampons. And my mom goes, okay. And, and then, then he goes, I just can't believe she's not a virgin. <laughs> my mom goes, why is she not a virgin? And he goes, because she's using tampons. <laughs> and then she's like, are you joking? My mom said she literally stood there and laughed for like a good minute. And she's like, let me just teach you something. Like, like, this is a teachable moment. Yes. <laughs> and my dad was like, you can't go horse riding because you're going to lose your virginity. Oh, no. We yeah. don't horse ride. Or bicycle. <laughs> you can't go on the bicycle or do the splits. And I'm like, what am I supposed to oh, lay yeah, my bed all day? Oh, yeah, that's part of <laughs> I had to do the splits and then my granny would be like, why are you doing that? Don't do that. That's not good. And, and that's like, the thing because still in 2019, people say that the hymen or having a hymen means being a virgin where so many people with vaginas are born without hymens. Yeah. So there's no way that your hymen can equal virginity and yeah. what is virginity either even we need to also it's unpack that yeah it's a it's a concept that really shouldn't exist because what is virginity and also how do people define sex usually they define sex as when penis in vagina yes um obviously consensually so speaking so and that is when your virginity is supposedly broken, broken. Mm. and it's like so many times we go into schools and kids are like okay so um if you have lesbian sex <laughs> Am I still a, a, a virgin? And we're like, and then you have to unpack that yes. because you're also silencing a lot of people when you're telling them, oh, but you're still a virgin. You've only had sex with women yeah. or with people with vaginas, you know. And that's another yeah, thing we I've need to expand the conversation. What's that guy's name? He's really famous. Um, he's an American guy. I think he hosts like Real Housewives or something. Mm-hmm. Um, some famous guy, and he was staying on Wendy Williams because I love Wendy Williams. It's <laughs> <laughs> my guilty pleasure. He was telling her that he was still a virgin, and I thought it was really funny that he said that. And then she said, "Like, what do you mean?" He said, "I've never had sex with a woman." And it's so. I mean, he's an older man, also he's mm-hmm. in his forties, so he still identified as being a virgin because he he has multiple relationships with mm-hmm. multiple partners, and now he's settled in with one mm-hmm. partner, um, life partner. Uh, but the fact that he still identified himself as a virgin because he hadn't slept with a woman, being an openly gay man, mm. was interesting. It's so interesting. I mean, sex is about pleasure. Yes. Please, pleasing however many people are in the room, consensually speaking. So it's like, it's not about oh, so penis and vagina. <laughs> that it's is so woke for me. <laughs> the way you just said, however many people are in the room, I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Look at I'm not woke enough. Sex is also not just between two people, you know. It yeah. can be between a group of people, yeah. three people, whatever. Even just yourself. Uh, that's how you, a lot of the times we, we speak to kids about, when we speak about sex, we ask them what type of sex you know, exists and they list if all the types yeah. of sexes. And then we're like, okay, but what about masturbation? And then, because our model is um, uh, sharing our own stories. So this is Fame Project now. This is Fame Project. So did Fame Project derive from your experience at the UN or was it concurrently no, 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 no. going it was, on? It was before. Okay. So FEM started in 2014 okay. and we were called together by a massive parastatal company. Did you get our donation, team. by the way, from Baked Online or from me? Oh, I must go into a bank account from Chuck. No, we, we gave it my birthday. We asked everyone to give a donation to FEM. Oh my God, and I must go. products as well, like pads and stuff. Amazing. Oh, someone came, someone dropped my yes, assistant. Yes, okay. yes, they dropped it. We have it. And we're currently in you schools with that. You always about to like, where are the No, 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 no. I actually <laughs> went and met okay. with them. Okay. Um, and, we, and we are in schools. We're going back next week. Oh, so that's, that's so going to cool. be one of the last like okay, that packs that we hand out yeah. or uh, provide 
provide. So, like, I thought that I found you guys because for my birthday, I obviously mm. get given a lot of um, gifts and yeah, stuff yeah. with my job. And I just thought, like, I don't need another gift from a friend. Like, uh-uh. I've got so many. So, instead of doing gifts, we said, like, you can either do um, a monetary donation to Femme or yeah. you can give, like, some products. Amazing. And some Thank people you. actually wrapped it, which is really cute. It was so nice. And there's, like, um, I saw there were, there's, like, deodorant yeah. and just different types of sprays. And we're very, like, we're just figuring out how to, like, uh, 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 provide it in, the, in gift packs for now. And yeah. then that'll be going out. And is that something that, like, you guys are into getting donations like that? Like... We are, see, so we we start, as I said, we started in 2014, right? And we started with um, the menstrual cup. Okay. Which is another thing, like you said, your dad was like, oh, Aisha's not a virgin anymore because she uses tampons. However, we're coming into schools and we're giving people to provide them training and with something called the menstrual cup, which is a small device. Yeah, reusable. You insert it into the vagina, it opens up and it catches the period instead of absorbing it like a tampon or a pad would. It's a very hygienic manner of of, of so managing your period. So where does the blood period. go? That's what I want It goes know. into the cup. Okay. It's not like a mug. Okay, it's very small and it <laughs> I'm moves. Like, how much blood just comes out of body. me? Look, it looks, when you use a tampon or a pad, because it absorbs, it looks like you are dying, basically. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I never forget my husband's face the first time he saw a tampon in the toilet. He was like mortified. Yeah, it looks like a lot. Mm. But when you use your cup, depending on what size you're using, because there are different sizes, you realize, oh, actually, I don't bleed that much. Okay. It's not, uh, it, de- it really depends on you. On Obviously, we all have different flows. Yeah. Some people are very light. I mean, you used mini tampons back in the day. I'm not I sure if you still I use still it. I use it. <laughs> I have a very light flow. Yeah, so... Um, now everybody on my podcast knows I'm like... <laughs> no, I mean, I can share mine too. I, I used to have a very heavy flow. Yeah. And like pieces changes, would right? come out, yes. mucus and stuff, because it's not just blood. Um, but then as I grew older, I, I used the IUD, the copper tea. Okay. Which is a contraceptive that, yeah. uh, that you put in... How did you find the copper tea? I was living with a man who could impregnate me. Okay. And I was like... I'm not trying dangerous. to fall pregnant. Yeah, I'm thinking of and going I'm forgetful. On it. That's what I'm asking you. And I cannot. I'm going to forget taking the pill at the same yeah. time every day. I, I can't commit to the, the injection. That's wasn't how good. it was made. With me not committing to the pool. Oh, a beautiful thing to make. No, I love it. It's amazing, but I wasn't ready. Yeah. So, like, mentally, to, I wasn't prepared to have a child yet. So, yeah. I mean, I got it together and we're fine. It's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's of course, of course. Um, but, yeah, that's what made me think, like, oh, the pool doesn't actually work for me. Cup of tea is great. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, especially for someone who I'm going to assume because you have a lighter flow and you call me in if, it's, if I'm wrong, but you don't have a lot of back pain or any yeah. cramps, really. No. So that was me. Um, so if you don't have a lot of cramps, and if you don't already have a very heavy flow, I would suggest going using the cup of tea. How it works is And you can have the cup of tea and use the cup. Yes. And your period. Okay. And it's fine. Small little device that looks like a tea. Mm. Um, and around it, it's tightly the wrapped coil. with copper. Okay. Uh, it coiled, yeah. So the, the coil, the reason why it's copper is because c- copper is toxic to sperm. Yeah, so it's it, like a natural It naturally cycle. just like... It's like, yeah. like Goku or <laughs> fucking what's it, Vegeta. It like says, I don't want you. I hate you, basically. Yeah. So what they do is um, you can go to Marie Stopes. It was like 240 rand to insert it. They Also, for anyone listening, to go, you can go to Marie Stopes for any of your contraception. Yes. Much cheaper. Sometimes free also. Um, not, no. They're, they're, they're semi-private. If you want okay. uh, free um, uh, or semi-free um, uh Polls go like to Jack your Basil clinics, and yeah. And but um, Mary Stubbs, you're gonna have to pay something. Okay. But it's much, it's much cheaper, cheaper than yeah. a private place, and you feel a little bit more like it's it's a it's a chill place. It's I nicer. enjoy Mary Stubbs. It's very clean and nice. And I've actually before I had my gynae that mm. I've now met with my son, mm. I obviously need to go for gynae visit, and I went to Mary mm. Stubbs. And they were so nice just doing the little, they just did the, the normal checkup. Consultation, they're very chill, they yeah, don't judge chill, you. Very like, clean, very pretty, actually. Mm. What's it's nice. looks nice, yeah. You don't feel like you're in a clinic. Mm. So they take the, the tea, the copper tea, insert it into your vagina, and it goes through the cervix. Okay. okay, the cervix is basically like if you have to have sex with someone with a penis or you are being fingered, um, it's that thing at the back of the vagina that. You, nothing can pass it. Yeah. The only thing that can pass it is your period when you are giving birth or when a doctor needs to go through to perform any form of surgery, which includes placing the copper tea basically at the base of your uterus. Um, so you put it in, it stays there, and then it can stay there 
inside of you for 10 years. Oh my gosh. And you go check it out, I think once every six months or once okay. a year. I went once a year. Then it's almost like that's the only time I ever felt pregnant. Like I would go once a year and they'd put the jaw on my tummy mm. and they show me, there it is. It's still in place. It hasn't been dispelled. And I'm like, I can't see anything, but I trust you. I trust you. Thank you so, <laughs> so much. So I can go back doing my, my and my And your cup, you use the cup? Yes, you I, yes. I, okay. I use it up until. Are you an advocate for the cup? Look, I am because I believe it's very sustainable, but I do believe that we can think of other ways as well. Okay. Look, the cup is great. I do advocate for it. I've used it. I still use it. But I go through days, on my heavy days, I know I can't use the cup because I forget about it because yeah. it feels like you're wearing nothing. Okay. And then I leak all over the place. So on my heavy days, I prefer to use a tampon or two, mm. whereas on my other, the rest of my days, I use the cup. In that way, I'm still being more sustainable. Yeah. I know it's not the best, but I'm not going to tell people. I love the idea of mixing it with your... Mix it up. Yeah. It depends on your mood. Yeah. Sometimes I know I'm not going to have access to a toilet where I feel comfortable yeah. and I have to clean and wash the thing. Mm. So I'm not going to use so the cup. I'm on the run. Through exactly. <laughs> I'm like fascinated by this cup. Yeah. <laughs> so talk us through the cup. How does it work? It's a little plastic thingy. Well, not plastic. It's silicone. Okay. Medical grade silicone because you're inserting it into your vagina. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it looks like... You know those cone. Yeah, you know those things where you put a boiled egg on for breakfast? Yeah. So it looks like that little cuppy thing. Okay. Um and obviously it's not made out of wood. <laughs> it's made out of medical grade bendable and pliable silicone. Okay. So you fold it in a certain way. The way that I use it is I just fold it in half. Okay. Um and then you can put your one leg on the toilet. You can just hunch over the toilet depending on how your body is formed. Our okay. vaginas are all different. You just find your groove basically. Yes. You put it in and then you allow it to open up. Okay. How you know it's in place is when, firstly, take your finger and roll it while it's inside, roll it around the sides. Okay. If there are any dents, you know that you're going to leak because obviously your period is going to come through your cervix and it's going to leak past yes. that space. So you must ensure that it's open. And it's very really like logical. It's very logical. Mm. And then when it's open, you know that it is going to create a very very light suction okay. uh, around the walls of your vagina and, and that you don't keeps feel it in place it don't feel it at all in the beginning my first time i used it i remember sitting in the office with lauren and kelly my co-directors and i said to them yo man i need to go to the bathroom like i think i'm leaking and they're like no yeah, no, no don't fidget paranoid. don't fidget like yeah. it takes a while it took yeah. me about four months to get into it. But is that like mentally comfortable with the fact that now you're not using a pad which you are used to using or a tampon which you are used to yeah, using? Yeah, it's a rite of passage. It's like yeah. anything new. You need to get it's comfortable like when you with it. you from a pad to a tampon Exactly. Also, like, you feel weird. Exactly. <laughs> like I can't feel anything. There's no crinkling. <laughs> I don't have to like... I remember at school when I first started wearing a tampon. You'd, uh. you'd always like when you get up from from sitting on the floor, you'd stand up in a certain way because you were scared that you'd stand up and suddenly blood would gush out. Exactly. And when you're wearing a tampon, you're like, I'd still do that weird movement of like, oh, someone check me, check yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, can someone just look before you? Just look where I'm like, yes, please check me, check me. Whispering in the hallways. Exactly. Um, oh, and can, it can take three times the amount of, of blood that a tampon oh, wow. or a pad can. And where does the blood go? Into the cup. So how you, from the cup way. So, yeah, so what you do is you, you, <laughs> like, yeah, you go coming. back into the toilet or the bathroom, wherever mm. you are, even in your room if you're comfortable, I don't know what your yeah. vibe is, and then you insert your, your, your thumb and your index finger of whichever hand is your dominant hand, okay. I'm assuming. Uh, you pinch the base, and th when you pinch the base, it releases the, the light suction that I mentioned around okay, the walls, right. and then you just wiggle it out slightly. Mm. You don't want to just pull it out. You wiggle it nicely, you know, be kind to your vagina. Um, and then you can look at it. It's interesting. It's very dark red. It could be light red depending like on it. Is there a little mini pool of blood in there? Yeah, there's a mini pool of blood. Wow. You can tip it into the toilet. Um, and then depending on where you are. If you're at home, obviously, there's nothing to worry about. You just go to the basin, rinse it, and reinsert it. Okay. Um, if you're in a public toilet, what you can do is you can also just wipe it with toilet paper and then reinsert it. Okay. Um, because it's a 100% medical grade silicone, it's, it's safe to do that. You wash it with sunlight. <laughs> oh my God, that's Jake. the thing. You, do, you only wash it with um, hot water. Okay. When you get ba back home, you can sleep with it. You can do all of those types of things, but do not use any soap that you wouldn't use in your vagina because you're going to itch and then you're going to go tell everybody, oh, that cup is not mm. good because it just, Mm. But actually, because you, you know, using humidity, the first thing you want to do is like, oh, sunlight soap, jig. <laughs> I mean, it might discolor. It, <laughs> it might discolor. Molten. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just thinking of all 
the things like like our people would say like oh you can the molten set no 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 you <laughs> cannot do any of that yeah. and when so it hot dis- water washing it only hot water when it discolors especially when you're using a transparent cup because nowadays they have all the red ones the pink yeah. ones the blue ones especially because it discolors so they're trying to like save you from thinking that it's dirty okay cool. but if it's if you have a, a translucent or a see-through one it's going to discolor you're working with blood here yes. um don't worry you don't need to drink it it's fine it's okay. part of the process um and i mean you can live with it for five years five oh, to ten years before you need to change it before you need to buy a new one okay and i'm <laughs> someone once we were out of school and we were like you know it lasts for five years <laughs> and this one kid was like so I only take it out after five years. No, 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 no. So tell us about kids are hilarious. Tell us a bit about the kids and like what film project is going. Like, what are you guys doing when you when you're going to visit schools? What ages are your kids that you're talking to? Okay. What kind of schools are you going to? Um, what kind of communities are you doing things across the board? So currently we're in Matrosfontein. Um, at a school, Marion High. It's that's one. That's like a base school. Okay. Um, initially we had a ton of funding because we were working with that parasitical company that I mentioned earlier on and we were able to go to 20 schools in a year and you know go to the same schools three times to ensure uh, trust is, is formed yeah. um, so now we, we have significantly obviously had to uh, pull back um, so now we our base school is Marion so you're so, looking for funding again to yes we're looking for again. funding because we want to we want to ensure that I mean we, we've worked with 5,000 learners so far it's, okay. a, it's, it's a really good number and we've kept relationships with those schools yes. as well I think that's and very important and I think important. the best thing about saying you've worked with 5,000 learners already is that I know for me I got all of my vaginal advice and advice on periods and mm. whatever from my cousins who are older mm. than me so even though you've touched base with those 5,000 girls and maybe you can't go back to the same schools or as many, I mm. think it's still such a good thing because the word of mouth of it all will mm. will help and people will educate each other. As women, yeah. we're always like, oh, I've got this weird bump. Like it might be a sister. Mm. We, we never actually go to the, straight to the doctor. We always no, ask each other. Yeah, the, the grapevine of, of information, you yeah. know? Yeah, so we seek to debunk a lot of myths so we go we create a space and we tell them look this is what we're talking about now our previous workshop from last week that we started um is safer sex practices okay and uh, we focus on all types of safer sex so we talk, talk about how you can use dental dams or cling wrap when you are performing cunnilingus which is oral sex on a vagina uh, or a vulva yeah. which is the outside of the vagina um, and you have finger condoms you have there's a there's a whole lot of there's a range of condoms that people do not provide to kids because they're like oh we're supposed to just end pregnancy for teenagers yeah um but that's not the only way that we can provide safety for kids you know queer kids also need safer sex practices because you know everybody needs them so yeah the reality of sex being so um raw like in in terms of Mm. like it can be unhygienic. Like, I think, you know, if you think of teenagers, young teenagers, mm. not being told simple things like, I know this is something my guy would always say, is like, <laughs> need to make sure he washes his hands. Yes. He, a lot of people don't know that. Wash your hands. I mean, you touch a lot of things. You yeah. put it in your mouth. And you now that thing is inside you. Now it's here in my moist vagina where bacteria is just yes. waiting to spring up from everywhere, you know. So so giving girls your hands. education, yeah, just wash it. You know what someone <laughs> said to me the other day, never shake a teenage boy's hand. You never know where it's been. And My I, I always think about it now. <laughs> yeah, they're like... Oh, our producer's having a heart attack. Are you okay? Do you need your asthma bump? <laughs> That's so, so funny. <laughs> but it really is the truth. We have to provide that space and just have these discussions. And also what parents need to know and teachers is that when you speak to a 14-year-old and you're giving them information, yeah, this is not me saying, go outside and fornicate <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> I am not telling you to go yeah. and have sex. But at some point in your life, something is going to happen. Yeah. You're going to be faced with, you're going to come at a cross path where you're going to be like, oh my God, should I listen to my, my Catholic parents? Yeah. <laughs> and like actually like abstain for the rest of my life until I'm married or whatever? Mm. Or do I follow my body? Mm. Or do I follow what I want? And you're going to have to make a decision in that moment, even if you think you were never going to feel tempted by it. Yeah. It's just you need that information so that you so, know. And you can tell someone, no, I don't want you to do that. Yes, I don't want you to touch my This is how I want be. you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. here is a condom mm. that Fem Projects provided 
a year ago and oh it only expires in 2023 so yeah. I can so use it so you teach them that the condoms expire and that they must yes. use the expiry date we teach them the Oprah method okay can I go through that go through the Oprah so method. the O stands for two things it's observe okay. which is you observe are there any bumps open things no it's not open it's closed there's no holes nothing because no you don't be trapped yeah so <laughs> you, you do check that <laughs> out you're getting trapped then you observe the other part that you observe is the expiry date okay okay cool it expires in August of 2022 cool i can still use it then you open that's the second o okay okay then the p stands for also two things place and pinch so um the oprah method is obviously for an external condom which they used to call the male condom okay but now we know that sex and gender is much more different than that so you complex yeah yeah. it's much more complex thanks so you place and pinch it on the top of the penis so you place it on top of the penis and then you pinch the little thingy yeah the air bubble and then you the r stands for roll the a stands for action and the h stands for hold at the base because when you pull out you want to ensure that that condom does not go inside of either the anus the mouth the vagina whatever it may be so that otherwise you might you might as well have need, not yeah. have used it, you know. Mm. So you don't want to forget the H. And I want to know what is the response from kids when you're speaking? Is a lot of screaming, laughing, giggling? Oh, um, <laughs> my God. I can a, just imagine. It depends on who you're working with. Okay. And it depends on the grade. And it depends on... It just it depends on a lot of things. Okay. So last week... <laughs> um, I know. I don't know if this. I'm even allowed to share this stuff. But there's a no, yeah. Don't say it, the school. Yeah, that's what I'm not going to yeah. say. The school. I'm just going to leave it. But it depends on who you're working with. Mm. But kids generally. I mean, they're kids. Mm. They're going to be very rowdy. They're going to see you bring out this fake penis. <laughs> okay. And you're asking someone to volunteer to show you how they would do it or whatever. Yeah. And then you teach them the Oprah method. Okay. One kid last year <laughs> said to me, Miss. Because when I was younger, we just started out. We're like, no, don't call me Miss. But now I'm old. I'm like, I know I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's Miss. The one kid said, Miss, I'm so happy that you taught us the Oprah method. But now every time I'm going to put on a condom, I'm going to think of Oprah. I was like, it could be a good thing, you know? (laughs) Killing the buzz. Um, And then parents. Do parents get upset? Are they shook? Are they we or have never had any issues with parents. Um, okay. What we do they is they don't want to have this conversation with. Their they kids don't want probably. to. They're mm-hmm. just like, and also kids aren't easily going to share that the information with their parents that they are very grateful for um, because they know that parents might have an issue. Might However, them, yeah. we do share it with the teachers. Okay, we train them. We speak to them. We tell them, look, we're coming with a feminist perspective here, and we're trying to be inclusive of all genders and sexualities. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be speaking about safe sex. Um, uh, Safer sex, excuse me, there's no such thing as safe sex. We're going to be speaking about safer sex practices for all genders and all sexualities. Um, and you need to be okay with that. And you need to yeah. understand what we're doing. So most schools are just so grateful. Because um, they don't have to have the conversation. I think it's quite intimidating for a teacher to have to, even if it's like a life orientation. They teacher. can't hold the space most of the time. But I will say a lot of the schools that we've worked with, the teachers are quite progressive. But Okay, well. But but the, the kids, uh, they need uh, an external person. Yes. They need to look at someone that's similar in age or someone that's not maybe their age, but they can see themselves. Yes, right. Um, and relate to that uh, person. And relate to that person yeah. a little bit more than they can to a teacher who is still an authoritative figure. Yeah. The first thing we say to kids is, I'm not your teacher. Yeah. I'm not going to go to your teacher and say, I'm not going to speak about that. It's not my my job. What my job is, is to come and teach you certain things. And what you do with that information is up to you. You don't have to use Use the menstrual cup. Mm. You don't have to take this um, uh, uh, pleasure pack. We call it the pleasure pack, which has all the condoms in it. It's choice. Mm. If you if you don't want it, you don't want it. And are you discussing consent with them? Yes, yes. Very important. Uh, We we discuss virginity with them because it's always a conversation that comes up. Kids, especially kids who are raised or reared as girls, are always speaking about virginity. Mm. You show them and oh, abortion as well. Yeah, there's just a lot. uh, Basically, reproductive health in general, and there's a lot of myths and a lot of uh, I wouldn't. It's not discomfort. There's another word I'm looking at. Um, confusion. Because mm. they hear one thing from uh, 
parents or from this person or, or the Auntie pastor Danny, or that. Yeah. They see one thing on the TV, they hear another thing on the internet, they see another thing on the in a meme, and then they hear us coming in. And yeah. it's like, okay, so now where do I place where my... Do, yes. What is real what and what is, is not? Yeah. What am I actually learning about? What yes. is what? And so what is not? <laughs> it's about building trust and it's about telling yeah. them that your decisions or your life is valid. So next week we're going to go into another school. We're speaking. They ask, because we always ask them in the first week, what do you want to learn about next time? Yeah. So now they're like abortion, hmm. different contraceptives, and they always want to know more about their menstruation. It's, it's a You know, non-stop. I love that you're saying this. It's like, it's like kids are hungry for the information. Mm-hmm. And just to have that space for them to feel they can easily access it without having to go to a clinic because mm. I think that can be intimidating at that age when you, you're just like rediscovering your body. Mm, mm. Um, it's now changed. It's a new, you were, you know, a new person. Because mm. with puberty, obviously, comes all that change. So I think like what you're doing is so impressive. And it makes me like a little bit emotional, <laughs> holding it back. <laughs> so I'm going to segue out of my emotions. And um, I'm going to ask you on your personal, in your personal capacity, mm. like obviously you've wrote, written... Um, your book now and whatever so and you've worked with the UN and and obviously your work with FEM project is really important but what are your personal goals like where do you want to be besides studying like what are you working on next Oh my god! <laughs> I used to hate this question when I was at school. Like, where do you see yourself in the next twenty years? And I'm like, I don't know. Next <laughs> twenty years, like I'm maybe kidding, like I'm what kidding, can I'm we? Kidding, I'm kidding. What are you excited about? No, no, I'm kidding. Um, honestly, for me, it's imp- I want to stay in the space that I'm in not necessarily on the same level not necessarily and I just want to remain steadfast firstly in my beliefs in the ideologies that I have I'm obviously uh, aware of the fact that it might shift okay due to how language shifts and how you know understanding shifts yes um but I want to remain in reproductive health and queer rights um and then I want to go back to studying um, I want to do a degree in gender. Um, I, I don't actually have to, no, <laughs> but I feel like sometimes you it's good. you approach it differently now, though? Yeah. Like now that you've actually worked in... It's a much bigger understanding. Health. Yeah. Yes. It would be interesting for you to be able to focus on, you know, gender politics and all mm. that surrounds. And especially in our... I think it's important to have our country's dynamic play a, mm. a role in that. Because, mm. I mean, there are certain things that we maybe are not accustomed to our, our country is still very conservative it's this is still very new yeah in a lot of countries but i think because we have s- less people mm. that it just feels newer um when you're going yeah. to like a colonizer <laughs> like a western <laughs> country it seems more everyone seems more woke but i think it's just because there are more people mm. no you're right Yo, i don't know man I, there's, a, there's a lot that i want to do i also want to internally speaking i want to figure out how to navigate a capitalist system that is indirect <laughs> uh what's the word um re- reflection uh, or ill reflection of what i don't want mm. like i love nice things mm. and I, I i know that i can love money as well yeah but in the same don't breath do, oh gosh what am i supposed to do when we are trying to like fight for more inclusive society yeah um so there's there's like a lot of things that I want for myself but I think for me the most important thing is wherever I find myself uh, other than from goals that I have wherever I find myself I want to have goals within that situation yes. and I want to be happy with the decisions that I make small victories and I want to always be in- innovative wherever I find myself yes be innovative find inclusive and sustainable ways of working whether you are in the corporate uh, side of life whether you are a uh, so-called act activist you know people call me an activist whatever mm. wherever you like are whatever. i love how you hate <laughs> i didn't call you an activist for no. a reason. I, like, I feel like she won't like it let me just not let me avoid activists like wherever you find yourself mm. um uh, create a space where you are happy and thriving and innovative and always surprising yourself yeah so I think i'm that's so all about that that's where i'm at now in my life as well yeah um so i just want to quickly plug the Fame Project because I really love it. <laughs> uh, where can everyone follow the Fame Project? Where can they find information? Where to give donations? Yes. Can uh, you can go you? onto our website which is femmeprojects.org.za F-E-M-M-E projects.org.za um, and then you can also find us on Instagram Fame Projects and if you don't know what Fame Projects stand for 
and stands for Freedom of Education Motivates Empowerment. It used to, in 2014, stand for Female Education Motivates Empowerment, but as we say, we progress mm. and language shifts yes. and we shift and we realized that's very essentialist. Yes. <laughs> so let's and shift it. Shifted it. Yes. Yeah, I'm proud of that. That's so cool. so we shifted that and we also um, started to become more of a, more inclusive of different genders. So we couldn't just work with female education. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what it stands for and yeah, find us online, say send a message. You can also if you are looking to find an abortion and you've had a lot of issues, uh, I admin a group called ASA which is Abortion Support South Africa. You can just message us on Facebook. Tell us what your grievance is or like where you're looking for it in South Africa and we will find a space for you where you can have it, whether that be public or private. Um, okay. What other groups do I admit? Oh my God, I'm <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's, it's about support. Yes. Um, and yeah, Facebook is the easiest way to, to find people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find us. We're online. We'll help you. And is there, if there's anyone out there who wants to help, maybe someone out there wants to fund the film project, um, can you give them some guidance as to how they can do that? So yeah. Just go to your website? Or? Yeah, go to our website, email us. Okay, uh, it cool. can either be me, Kim, uh, Lauren, or Kelly. We're all co-directors and co-founders. Um, and yeah, just plug us. Reach out. Uh, you know, ju just reach out. Currently, uh, one of the schools that we're at, they're really, really looking at revamping their, their bathrooms okay. because it doesn't, nothing flashes. It's really terrible, yeah. actually. And I can understand, I would why a lot of kids are just like, I'm not even going to go there yeah. and use the bathroom. Um, I'm going to walk home first and come back to the school. Oh my gosh. So, you know, message us and we will tell you who needs money. A lot of the times people are like, oh, my foundation needs money. My foundation needs money. I understand that. But if you want to provide money for a specific cause, we will tell you where you can go and we'll yeah. tell you what the school is, what they need. And that's also just a way of making it a little bit, you know, selfless. But it would be great if you... Plug Fairman. Yes. Pay us some money. Yes. And the money, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kim. And thank you all for tuning in. Thank you can you follow me. both of us. You can follow Kim at, at Blazing Non-Binary. And you can follow me at Baked Online. You can find me online, www.bakedonline.co.za. Thank you so much to Work & Co. for allowing us to record our podcast in the beautiful Cape Town offices once again. We are overlooking the ocean, the mountain on the other side of me. Beautiful artwork all around us from local artists. So thank you for letting us use this inspiring space. And you can find Work & Co. at Work & Co. on Instagram. And you can find them online as well. Just give them a little Google. See you soon. This is a POC Podcast production.